0: We are in this series where we're talking about prayer and fasting and really looking at various ways that fasting is used in the Bible to help us break um, different chains, different yokes. Um, We've looked over our time together really based out of the, the book of Isaiah where he says in Isaiah chapter 58... Is this not the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke and to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Over these past six, seven weeks, we have looked at how we can fast for freedom. We've looked at the disciples where they said to, where Jesus said to them, this kind can only come out through prayer and fasting. We have looked at... Um, Fasting for an outpouring of the goodness of God. Um, Gabriel helped us look at that from the book of Ezra. Uh, fasting to break the bondage of negative emotional habits. Uh, we looked at the story of Elijah, fasting for wisdom and decisions. looked at Paul last week in his conversion experience. <clears throat> Don't worry about my voice. It'll be fine. Uh, I wasn't even going to mention this, but uh, David and I ran a half marathon this morning. So I think the cold air um, that I was sucking in as I was trying to stay with David um, has wrecked my voice, but it'll be fine. That's why I have the coffee here. If you haven't tried the coffee at fullness, it is the best at any church in the city, I swear. Um, Just thought I'd throw that out. No, you can't go get some now before church. So we've looked at Isaiah in the passages, and today we want to focus on this last part of this passage. He says, Then your light will break forth like the dawn, your healing will quickly appear, then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. We have all of these aspects of what a true fast brings. And one of them is that the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard, meaning that God will protect you. And so to look at that kind of fasting and an example of that, we're going to look at the book of Esther. Now, Esther is a very interesting book. Uh, it's taking place during the Babylonian captivity. You know, the nation uh, has been carted off into captivity Um The Babylonians are conquered by the Persians. Just hang with me. I try not to get too much history here. But they're they're still in captivity. But the Persians are now the ones who are in charge. And there's a king, Xerxes, who's uh, the Persian king. And he's got a queen by the name of Vashti. He throws this big party and wants Vashti to... He demands she comes and do some things. And she says no which evidently in that culture did not work very well. So he cast her aside as queen. Uh, and then they held, um, they held a Persia's Got Talent competition uh, for a new queen. And one of the candidates was a Jewish girl whose name Hadassah, but her name is changed to a Persian name, a Babylonian name, by the name of Esther. And Esther means hidden. And there's much in this book that is hidden. For instance, it's the book of the Bible where God is never mentioned. Uh, God is never, he never comes up. But there's this hidden aspect of the protection of God over the nation of Israel, the Jewish people while they're in captivity, while things are going on. So, yeah, Hadassah means myrtle tree, which isn't bad, I guess. Um, but Esther means hidden. So, here's what happens I'm gonna try and summarize the story for you so that, um, and then kind of give you the aspects of what I wanna talk about how the glory of the Lord in fasting. Can protect us, be our rear guard. So here's the story: Esther becomes queen, but in and she's favored. She's a beautiful young woman. Um, Her Jewishness, so to speak, is also hidden. It's not known in the court that she is Jewish. And Haman, who is the prime minister, you staying with me? There are a couple of names: Haman who is the prime minister, very powerful man, really right below the king. He's not, he's not someone who loves the Jewish people. As a matter of fact, he hates them. And one of the reasons he hates them is because they won't compromise their worship. For instance, um, Esther's uncle is a guy named Mordecai. And Mordecai is at the temp- at the He works somehow in the court system. And when Haman comes in, everybody bows down to Haman. Everybody kind of, oh, it's Haman. Let's give Haman, let's worship Haman. And Mordecai won't do it. So Haman is so mad that this one guy who is Jewish won't bow down to him that he tricks the king, King Xerxes, into proclaiming that. Not only is he going to punish Mordecai, but he's going to punish all the Jewish people. He is going to, he kind of tricks the king through money and that on this certain day, all the Jews in Babylon slash Persia are going to be annihilated, are going to be killed. So, Mordecai puts on um, sackcloth and ashes, basically outside the temple, um, the the court, not the temple, the royal court, and one day Esther sees him and asks what's going on. She gets word of what's taking place, and Mordecai basically says this to her. She sends word back to him, and when Esther, this is chapter 4, verse 12. So I've summarized like three chapters. Please go read the whole book of Esther. I didn't do it justice. I'm just kind of trying to get us to this point. It says, when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. What is incredible about this is Mordecai's faith is so high that he says, hey, listen, if you don't step up, God will still provide a way. God will make a way. To protect his people because that's the kind of God we serve but there's a chance that you and your family will perish don't think that just because you're in this specialized position you're the queen that, that you your protection is guaranteed and he says something that has become a line that many people have used and I, I think it's very relevant to every person to, to say How has God raised me up for such a time as this? Just as Esther was really in the court because of her beauty, which um, to me, beauty is, oh, it's beautiful. But the person really can't take credit for it. I mean, they didn't do any, I mean, really, beauty is one of those things that's just a gift from God. And so Esther's gift is just straight from God. It's not like she worked hard to be beautiful, although they did, you know, do a lot of beauty things for her as she came into the court. But that's not the point. The point is her beauty was given to her by God. It was a gift. She had been raised up for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa, which is where they were kind of located mainly, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. She asked for a three-day fast among all the Jews. Before she goes to see the king, for God's protection to be upon her. Um, Because what she's doing is risking her life to go into the presence of the king and ask. And you may be asking, well, why is that? Wasn't she the queen? Yes, she's the queen, but she has to be summoned into the king's presence in this culture. She can't just waltz in and say, hey, I've got a request. So for her to present herself in a way, where she's gonna give this request is putting her life in danger. Because he could say, yes, share me the request, or no, you're dead. I mean, that's he's the king. So he's got full power and reign over all of this. Even though she's in favor with the king, it's still a, a risk. Side point. Mordecai, when he's hanging out outside the court, He hears these two guards who are really angry with the king, who are really mad at him. And so they start plotting to kill the king. Mordecai gets word to Esther about the plot of these two soldiers, and action is taken and they're eliminated. But nothing really happens to Mordecai. He's not really elevated. He doesn't get the praise. But Esther does tell the king that it came from Mordecai. Just hold on to that side point as we get back to the story. So here's some basic truths that I I want you to see from this story and about the Lord being our rear guard as as we um, look Toward how can we enact this in our lives so for those of you who are new uh, over the past weeks i've been giving in these times of fasting and prayer this this idea that we place ourselves in a position where god will act but there's no guarantee that god is going to act but there's a better chance of it if we position ourselves where he will So rather than saying, hey, I'm going to give you five steps to guarantee God's protection in your life, I'm just going to give you five steps that will put you in a position where God can protect you. Because even Esther is saying, hey, if I go in, if he kills me, he kills me. If I die, I die. There's a realization that the result is up to God, but our actions are what we need to take. So here's some basic truths before I get to those first. Um, the first is this. We are in a battle. Uh, please, please realize this. Please acknowledge the battle that you're in. If you're a part of the kingdom of God, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're in a battle. There's an enemy who hates you. I, I know I say this a lot in our church, but the reason I say it is because many people within the church act as if there's no battle going on, or if they act if no battle's going on, even if they acknowledge the battle, they say, you know what? There's a battle, but I'm going to sit this out. I'm going to just be on the sidelines. Uh, rumor has it there's some football game going on today, and <clears throat> I, I I know the Super Bowl is tonight, um, and I'll watch it, um, but there's a difference between being a spectator in the competition and actually being engaged in the competition Um, in the kingdom of God there are no spectators you're a part of the battle whether you want to or not you're engaged in the battle I'm just gonna say this some of you are getting the heck beat out of you because you've refused to acknowledge that you're in a battle Um, one of the places to start with the Lord's protection, is admitting that you're in a fight, that there is an enemy who hates you. The Bible is clear with many passages that talks about, for instance, the thief comes not only, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Uh, Ephesians says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark, this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So please, um, as we start this, let's acknowledge that we're in a battle. Um, Kathy had a roommate one time. This is a long time ago before we ever got married, obviously. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I think the brain cells are... are The blood flow is not really here yet. (laughs) This roommate asked me and Kathy to help her, Kathy and I were dating, with her finances. She was always bouncing checks. Now, for those of you of young age, um, that means you write a check and you don't have enough money in your account and they won't cash it. So it bounces. She was bouncing checks. And so when I talked to her, I'm like, how much money do you have in your account? She goes, I don't know. And I'm like, how do you not know? Let's balance your checkbook. She goes, no, I don't balance my checkbook. And I'm like, why not? Well, because I don't want to (laughs) know. I I don't want to know how bad my money is. (laughs) You know, you laugh about it, and you think, well, that's just this. Is that not the way we act sometimes? I just don't want to know. I don't want to know how bad the battle is. I don't want to know what's going on around me. I'm just going to kind of hide and pretend it's not going on. And um, we're bouncing spiritual checks because we don't know what we have. We don't know what God has given us, and we don't realize that we are in a battle. Second point, truth is this. Um, acknowledge that you have limitations. I, I talk about this a lot, too, for those who come to fullness. We are living in this tension of between the times when Jesus came and when Jesus returns. We, prob- we have more power at our disposal than most of us want to acknowledge, because Jesus came, Spirit's been poured out. We've been redeemed. The kingdom of God has been inaugurated. But the kingdom of God is not fully here until Jesus comes back. So in the battle, sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. Because we don't, I don't even have the answer of why. Except that there are limitations in our lives. In the book of Hebrews, remember that great passage of faith in the book of Hebrews that, you know, Abraham did this and Moses did this and everybody, and then at the end there's this passage that says, talking about people that are part of the hall of fame of faith, whose names are too many to be mentioned, who've been cut in half and sawed in two and killed by the sword and, and he goes on and says these are commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. It's a complicated theological passage, but the idea is this. We have limitations. The author of Hebrews is saying, hey, some of the greatest men of faith and women had their lives taken. We would like to think that that's a guarantee not to happen. But it's not. Was their faith lacking? Hey, people, I think, please listen to me. This is critical for us as followers of Jesus Christ because there are groups of Christians who say the reason you're suffering is because you don't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith in your life. If you had more faith, your children would be well, your riches would be increased, your car would never break down, Bad things would never happen to you. The problem is your faith. And the author of Hebrews is saying the problem was not their faith. They're commended for their faith. They're, They're held up as examples of faith. They were killed because we are in a battle. And sometimes martyrdom is the end of the battle in this life. Sometimes prison is the end of the battle or a part of the battle in this life. There are no guarantees. We have limitations. Jude says, even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Again, complicated passages that would take us a while to unravel. But the idea that even the Archangel Michael had a limitation. And we need to recognize that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of Christ. So in these limitations, one of the problems is those who aren't followers of Jesus Christ have had their eyes blinded. They're not doing bad stuff on purpose. They're doing bad stuff because they're blinded to what the good news says. So that's why it's our job to share the good news of Jesus Christ in the world around us. We are to be light. We are to, as Jesus came to set the captives free to help the blind to see, that's our goal as well. And it's a battle for that to occur. And another basic truth is this. Don't ignore sin in your own life. Um, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I I don't know how to say this lovingly, but I'm going to try. Did I tell you I ran a half marathon this morning? (laughs) So, if a little, if a little, I come across edgy. Give me some grace as well. It would be helpful in the battle if you'd stop sinning. (laughs) You know, I mean, really, if you think about it, I don't. I don't mean to be stupid about it, but some people, for instance, they they let's go back to finances and this poor young lady who would not balance her checkbook. There are many people who overspend their income and they take out debt in order to try and get things. And then they can't pay the they can't pay the creditor and they have interest. And now they're rebuking the demon of financial distress in their home and i want to say you're the one who opened the window to let the lion in the devourer is running amok in your home because you you've chosen to sin let's start with repenting let's start with turning away from sin and walking in health. It, it's not going to do anybody's marriage any good If pornography is a part of the home, it's not going to do anybody's um, business relationships any good if they lie all the time. I mean, I could just go down the list. One of the reasons the devil is having a heyday is because we've let him loose in our own homes. And one of the ways to stop that, and I know you're never going to stop totally sinning, neither am I, but there are acknowledgements that we can do to say if we're going to win this battle let's stop doing what allows the enemy to come in and gives him free range of attack says in thessalonians avoid every kind of evil but you man of god flee from all this and pursue righteousness godliness faith love endurance and gentleness So it's just some basic truths that will help us if we want to see the battle won is acknowledge that you're in a battle, right? Acknowledge it, quit sinning, stop sinning, and know that you've got certain limitations. By the way, one of the reasons I'm such a big believer in church is because um, my limitations will be bolstered when I'm in the body of Christ, by others who have strengths in those areas. I think that it's one of the things that helps us in the body of Christ to protect. So I, I've got so many stories on this. I, I, I remember we were at another location, and this guy um, who was really winsome came up to me, started talking to me, and was I won't go into all the details, but my first thought was, you know, this guy could be a real help in our church because we were building the church. You know, it was, our church was at like a vulnerable state as we were growing. And so I'm thinking in my head, building the church, this guy could really help us. What do I do to get this guy here and engaged and as I was walking out that day, I remember it clearly I was in the parking lot. We were at the location that's now a police station. And Chris came up to me and said, hey, I don't know who that guy is, but I feel a warning from God about this guy. And I just want to tell you that I, I don't know why I sense this so strongly that God is saying to avoid this guy, which Praise God I have elders, right? Because my thought was, build the church, this guy can help us. But it made me... So I had lunch with the guy just to kind of... It it turns out, any movement toward this guy could have destroyed our church. I mean, the, the list is long of why. But just to say, all of us, any person in any leadership capacity or any existence capacity... Needs others within the body of Christ who have certain gifts that can help you. Because your limitations will expose what the enemy can do. You with me? I know I'm a little delirious, but these are really good points. If you'll take them, they'll help you. All right, here's where I want to focus for just a couple of minutes. I won't keep you very long, I promise I believe that one of the ways we can experience breakthrough is by recognizing who we are and what God has given us. And really, this is all from using Esther as kind of an example, but to understand who we are and what God has given us is critical within this aspect of seeing the battle won. So the first thing is this, recognize the source of danger and destruction. Recognize the source of danger and destruction. Mordecai let Esther know what was going on, right? And Esther is going to step into the breach, so to speak, to try and save her people. But she's going to fast and pray, even though God is not mentioned I mean, why would you fast otherwise if you're not seeking after God's protection? Why? Because the source of the danger and destruction is the enemy. He's the, our battle is not against who? Flesh. Flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers. That's where our battle is, the source of destruction. The problem, for instance, in your home is not your spouse. The problem in your home is the enemy wants to destroy your marriage, right? And so, quit blaming your spouse. I know they're hard to live with, (laughs) but you chose to marry him, right? Maybe my humor is not getting carried (laughs) through here. Look, you can use all the excuses you want, but God has a purpose and plan for your marriage, and that's for the two to become one. If the two are becoming one, and that's God's plan, then what's the enemy's plan? Break it up. Destroy it. Make them dislike each other. I mean, really, if you made a list of all the things your spouse does that drive you crazy, and then honestly look at the list, you'd be like, these are stupid. Because the things that drive you crazy are probably, for the most part, not big deals. And I'll say this too, since I'm just rolling here. (laughs) I bet you 10 to 1, they were all there when you first met them. If you want to go back, compare that list to the boy or girl you dated, and I bet you almost every one of those characteristics... We're right there. I'll just give you an example from my own life. (laughs) My wife used to think I was the funniest person alive. I mean, she, one of the things Kathy will say that attracted us, her to me, was my sense of humor. If you were to ask Kathy today, what is one of the things that absolutely drives you crazy (laughs) about part... She would say, he thinks everything's funny. (laughs) Recognize the source of danger, and I do. I think (laughs) everything's funny. All right, recognize that you are under demonic siege. Kind of the same point, but I just really, I'm trying to emphasize this over and over again because I want you to see the point. Um. It says in Peter, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Again, I'm going back to that passage because I want you to see that there is a demonic presence that's trying to take things from you. Next, recognize the authority that protects you. What what is it that I've got to fight against the enemy with? I have God's power, his authority in my life to protect me. (laughs) Famous passage. How are we going to overcome him, the devil? Blood of the lamb, word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Even in the book of Esther, though she doesn't have, so to speak, the blood of the lamb yet, Jesus has not come there's still a protectional promise that's been given to the Jewish people from God. The whole Passover, blood on the doorpost, going back, the symbolic and uh, aspect of that is still present in the, the covenantal promise is still with them at this time. God is protecting them. The word of her testimony, she says, pray, fast, seek after God. She's gonna go speak to the king. And she's going to confess in this that she is Jewish. She's going to tell him. And if, she's already said, if I die, I die. The aspect of winning in this, overcoming the enemy, one of the key factors is, it's not about me. I'm not going to love my life even, even, if, it, even if I die. Again, I'm I, I don't want to spend too much here because I, I I've got other points I want to make, but could it be one of the reasons that the devil is so active in our lives and coming against us is because he knows that we love our lives? As a matter of fact, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and arrange my life so the devil has no I'm never gonna get under attack, no bad things are gonna happen, I'm gonna self-protect. I'm going to protect my home. I'm going to protect this because I love my life. (laughs) We're all guilty of this in some way. One of the ways we are protected is by recognizing, hey, how are we going to overcome the enemy? Blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb. I'm going to speak that God is doing these things. I'm going to speak life. This is not the power of positive confession. This is just speaking what God has done. Speaking life into our circumstances, our situations. And I'm not going to love my own life even unto death. Hey, that's a tough one for us. I, I, I hope you'll meditate on that. Uh, I find myself battling this a lot as I've gotten older. Uh, you know, I... I I think in general, most of us become more like we are as we get older. You can write that down and think about it later. We would like to think we are becoming better, but I I actually find myself becoming more like who I really am. And because I'm introverted and I don't really like people that much, um, I find that... (laughs) Some of you are not laughing. You're probably like... (laughs) I, I see it. I've, I've heard it and I see it. Um, no, I love people, I just don't wanna be around them. So. <laughs> and so for me, it's a battle to say, okay, I, I, I'm not gonna just sit at home and read. Um, I'm not gonna sit in my, so I'm gonna get out and be with people. Even though they're a pain, I'm going there. I'm gonna go <laughs> with people. Again, just give me some grace. All right, next is recognize that you need this spiritual protection. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvation? Uh, There's this idea that angels help protect us. God has sent things. Why, Why would we need angels to protect us if we didn't need protecting? I mean, we need protection, and this protection comes from the Lord. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. I don't want to get too caught up in the whole theology of angels, but to say God, God sends protection in our lives, and we, we need to recognize that we, need, we can't do this on our own. Esther is saying, hey, I'm going to go before the king, but I need... I need help. Let's fast. Have everybody fast because of this protection. Recognize the power of resistance when you stand against the enemy. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There is power in resistance. You don't have to succumb to this in your life. This is what's happening happening here with the story of Esther. She is choosing to resist. To protect her people, she's gonna put her life at risk to resist what this evil man, Haman, is doing. Hey, do any of you watch The Chosen? Like in season three of The Chosen, they celebrate the Feast of Purim. Uh, It's really a beautiful, it's not a real long segment, But they enact, and whenever Haman, they use the nerd Haman, they kind of boo, you know, the evil that is taking place. They're celebrating the deliverance of God for the people of God. But they reenact what God has done. And, And I think that this is critical for us to understand that there is power in resisting the devil. We don't have to just give in. Resist him standing The devil standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering we need to resist him and then finally recognize your state of readiness how are you doing are you ready to take on the enemy watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation the spirit is willing but the body is weak we need to actively engage in this battle and understand that we need to be ready. I mean, what is it about putting on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against who? The devil. You put on the, putting on the armor is saying, I'm going into battle. But I'm not going into battle naked. I'm not going into battle unprepared. I'm going into battle in a state of readiness. This morning, as I've told you five times already, I ran a half marathon. Yeah, I did. I didn't wear this when I ran. Why? Because running 13 miles in this would have been very uncomfortable. 13.1. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for asking. Um, I mean, you've got to put on the gear that you're going to participate in the activity. You're in a spiritual battle. Every day when you get up, you should be in some way thinking, how can I serve God and how can I resist the devil? I need to put on the full armor of God. I'm going into battle. To serve God is to fight the devil. And fighting the devil is not standing on a corner with a sign that says God hates some people group. It's impacting your sphere of influence for the kingdom of God. It's going to school. It's going to wherever. And realizing that as you go into school or your workplace or wherever, that you're going to stand as a light for God's kingdom. You're going to stand in the darkness you don't have to be obnoxious about it, but you do have to be loving and aware of what's going on. And you need to be ready and equipped. The story of Esther ends like this. Esther, she gets all dolled up, and she, asks the, she goes and stands at the doorway, and the king summons her in. She gets the favor she asked for, and he asks her, what can I do for you? And he says, basically, she says to him, hey, listen, how about you come to my house for a banquet tonight? Okay. And she goes, oh, by the way, bring that guy Haman with you. They do. In the meantime, one of the things that happened is Haman, when he's entering the court, he sees Mordecai and he hates him so much that he builds a gallows next to his house that is 75 feet tall. Now, 75 feet, guys, is pretty tall. The ceiling here is, what, 25 feet? So you need to go like three times higher than this. I mean, it's a big gallows. He, want, he hated this Mordecai guy. He wants to hang him from this gallows. So that night, King Haman They go to this banquet esther's very wise in what she does she says to him he says what did you want to talk to me about i tell you what come tomorrow night and we'll talk about we'll have another banquet and we'll talk about it then that night the king can't sleep before the second banquet he can't sleep so he calls in the royal scribe has him start reading some of the things And they roll across this section where Mordecai saves the king's life by talking about the two soldiers who were trying to kill him. And he's like, what did we ever do for that guy, Mordecai? Next night at the banquet, (laughs) he, he says to Haman, hey, by the way, what do you think we should do for a guy who saves the king's life? And and he goes, I think we should get him some royal robes. He thinks it's himself. So he said, I think we should get him some royal robes, put him on the special pony, ride him around town, have everybody just say great things about him. And King says, I think that's a good idea. Why don't you go and take care of Mordecai and do this for him? And then Esther says, hey, king, the reason I want you here is because there's a decree that's gone out from Haman that all the people, my people, I'm Jewish, should be killed. And the king, this combination of things, just in, he just is so mad, worked up that he leaves the room. Haman realizes, oh my goodness, things are not going well for me. He throws himself at, at, she's reclining on some sort of sofa or something, I don't know what, some Persian rug or (laughs) whatever. He throws himself at her feet and says, please, please, I beg of you. And then the king walks in with him on her feet and he says, not only do you want to kill her, now you're going to sexually assault her as well. What am I going to do with this guy? And a couple of his servants say, hey, you know what? There's this 75-foot gallows (laughs) over by his house. So they hang Haman. It, It is a picture of incredible protection and timing of God. You might say, oh, well, Esther was really smooth in this. But really, the night before when the king has this dream and can't sleep and wants to know what to do and... Everything combined goes into protecting the people of God because the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. God will in some way protect you. Even if you die, he protects you. That's one of the truths here. His glory, like, like the glory that went in front of the nation of Israel when they were traveling through the desert, the pillar of fire and day and the cloud by night. That's the glory of the Lord. He will be your rear guard. He will protect you. And so as you fast and seek after him for protection, please recognize that the source of danger and destruction is the enemy, that you have authority that protects you, and you need this spiritual protection because we're in a battle, and there is incredible power in resisting the devil and the enemy as we fight this battle every day stay ready and engaged to see his kingdom advance lord we thank you and we pray that today you would direct our steps god we we don't want to give the enemy more credit than he's due But at the same time, Lord, we don't want to be stupid and not recognize that we have an enemy that we're fighting. We want to be ready. We want to recognize. But at the same time, Lord, I stand here today and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We have victory through you. And Lord, I pray that we will do everything to participate in the victory that you came to 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 give us. Lord, may we fast, may we seek after you, may the glory of the Lord surround us. We thank you, Lord. I, I recognize that there are many of you here today who are in some sort of ongoing battle. And as you're here today, I I just want you to take a moment before you leave to engage with God. You know, when bad things happen, I try to encourage people to say, Hey, listen, ask these questions. Is this of my own doing? Did I cause this? And if so, then ask God for forgiveness. Repent, change direction. Is this of the enemy? If so, resist. Or is it of the Lord? Is he trying to teach me? Is he trying to prune me? Is he trying to bear more fruit? If so, then receive what he has for you. So before we leave, I would like you to stand and join us in singing this song of praise that the battle belongs to God it's his we're participants in it but that we have a victory ask God to give you wisdom about your part in this entire process and battle stand up and let's worship him before we before we leave this morning